Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everything about this moment in history seems uniquely designed to challenge our mental health. We are suffering, we need answers, and we need help. That's why I'm so thrilled to be partnering with Sound Mind Live and Consequence of Sound to host their new podcast series, Going There. I'm Dr. Mike Friedman, clinical psychologist and life coach. With Going There, I will talk with musicians who struggle with their mental health, just like us. After all, mental illness affects us all. And the same artists who have stepped up to share their wonderful work with us are now sharing the intimate details of their journey in living with mental illness. We are going to ask the tough questions, and we're going to have the difficult conversations, all so that we can learn from each other. But more importantly, to shine a light on the difficult topic of mental illness so that we can all come out of the darkness and get the care we need. So we hope you join us on this journey. Going there. The crossroads where music and mental health meet. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, no minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead. Download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast Stardom is within your reach. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Consequence Podcast Network. Thank <laughs> you. 
Welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sounds and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks so much for making your way here, checking out this series. Hopefully you like what you hear enough to hit that subscribe button uh, as we put out a lot of interviews. Uh, brand new and every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, three a week to keep you up to date on all of your favorite artists uh, so you can discover some new ones and know what's happening in the music world. And if you're not already, please do hit that subscribe button. Uh, iTunes, Apple Podcast, at Spotify, Acast, even YouTube, where you'll find the video version of this podcast as well. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest is Steve Hackett, yes, formerly of Genesis, back with a brand new album uh, called Under the Mediterranean Sky. He calls this an orchestral record based around the nylon guitar. Yes, uh, Steve's basically known, as he'll tell you, as a rock guitarist, a prog rock master. Uh, But uh, for this record, really kind of keeping himself to a nylon acoustic guitar throughout the whole thing, uh, inspired by the Mediterranean region. But it's not a solo record, as he is playing with lots and lots of amazing musicians from all across the world, which seems to be Steve's M.O. Uh, We're going to talk about where the idea came from, uh, what what it means to play with all of these different musicians this time around. He'll talk us about even going back to the beginning, about being a harmonica player before he even took up playing the guitar, and the rock record that he plans on releasing after this. He, He stays busy, as you you see. He, he usually stays at least one or two steps ahead of his own self. Uh, but but talking about all of the world musicians, you know, he, he'll tell us about how uh, using music as the one thing to help bring us back together as so many politicians drive us apart, uh, making his music an ambassador for peace. That's a quote from him. And then we'll also talk about the upcoming tour. So first, working this new material into the tour, he's going to lay out his plans of a double-sided show of the solo stuff and the big band classics. In fact, one of those classics he plans to perform in its entirety on the upcoming next tour is a classic Genesis live album called Seconds Out. So he'll tell us the details on that one as well. And so much more. So let's get into it. Again, discussing this record, Under the Mediterranean Sky. It's Kyle Meredith with Steve Hackett. Thank you, Kyle. Nice to talk to you again. How are you doing? I'm doing great over here, man. Congratulations. Uh, I always love everything that you put out. Under the Mediterranean Sky is another... It's a nice little masterpiece. There's so it, the mood on this. Um, I can tell you, I think I needed it this year with everything that's going on. Where did this come about, though? I mean, I should ask, like, what attracted you to this theme of the uh, the Mediterranean? Basically, uh, I've traveled to the Mediterranean area so many times, uh, both as an entertainer and um, as a tourist. Of course, it's a huge region and uh, hugely diverse, with lots of different kinds of music that characterize each country and region. And it was my wife, Jo, who suggested when the idea of doing an acoustic album came up, an an acoustic orchestral album, uh, to try and broaden it as much as possible by um, using regional sounds and things that were perhaps more typical of each country in order to have a concept with the album. So um, there'll be some unfamiliar instruments or less familiar instruments, as well as the ones that are usually expected. Of course, most of it centers on, on nylon, guitar, classical guitar, flamenco guitar, uh, which I spend most of my life doing. Although I'm known primarily as, as a rock guitarist, it takes more time to get acoustic work, I think, up and flying and get it to be convincing. But I think of this album really as, as an orchestral album. There's an orchestra, there's a virtual orchestra, there's a real orchestra, uh, there are individuals, but then there's a small orchestra called 
the nylon guitar, the acoustic guitar, when you start to orchestrate with that, even on entirely solo pieces without any accompaniment, you can still orchestrate within that, but you have to use your imagination to say, this is brass, this is bright playing by the bridge, these are fanfares, this is impersonating the piano, this is impersonating the harp, this is cascading, this is the sense of a fountain, all of those things that you can conjure with the magic box. You, you talk about that. Like, I was already going to ask, like, if, if you know, when, when you make that determination that you're only going to stick with one type of guitar, with, with a nylon guitar, if that added certain parameters, but it almost sounds like it doesn't add as many parameters as I, I might have thought that it would. Well, there are other instruments as well. You know, mm. there are other stringed instruments. There's the Arabian Ud, there's the Peruvian Charango, there's... Um, the Tar, the guy from Azerbaijan plays that, um, Malik Mansurov, who's appeared on quite a lot of my, my albums. Um, there's some uh, real over, some real violin, real viola, other things, real flutes, real bits of brass, um, uh, uh, soprano sax from Rob Townsend. So um, I don't think of it as, I never think of anything as, as a solo album. It's the sum of all the things that, that go with it, but I held off on rock guitar, although there is some rock guitar, invisibly, but it wasn't plugged in. I wanted to use it as an acoustic instrument and, and hit it hard so that we had that, had that sort of sound of a flamenco, um, flamenco thing without, so it was still an acoustic instrument, but you know, it's an electric guitar, but not, but not plugged in. How's that for restraint from a rock guitarist? <laughs> not even plugged in. <laughs> not even plugged in. It's not a region that um, is typically explored in Western music. I mean, I do think we hear it in film scores and things like that, but it, as far as you know, what we would get, when you're putting it together, do you try to make a bridge uh, to, to what we know over here, to what's typical, or do you really just fall down that rabbit hole and allow yourself to go all the way there and for the listener to catch up with you? Well, I don't think there's any cons concession to um, what I think of as, as American influence on it. It's basically either European or Mediterranean or Arabian, Turkish even. Um, that doesn't mean to say that I don't subscribe and love American music. Um, I did one blues album in my life. Um, the electric guitar obviously hails from, from those shores. Um, I was playing harmonica years before I was playing um, a guitar. And then when I was a little bit older, should we say, um, I got to spend some time with Larry Adler I watched the late great Paul Butterfield playing, playing harmonica in 1966 with an incredible band of guys, some of whom were working with, with Bob Dylan at the time. And this is, you know, early days of, of Dylan going electric with Mike Bloomfield in the band, still his favorite guitarist of all time, apparently, in terms of um, cohorts. Um, Mr. Butterfield passed, Mr. Bloomfield passed, but it was still a, an, an incredible experience. So I think I come to guitar playing originally from the sensibility of being a harmonica player, which might sound very, very strange, but at times electric guitar can sound just like a harmonica and vice versa. They can both be very close to the sound of the human voice. Nylon guitar, less so. Um, but I think at times, if I'm trying to emulate anything, it'll be the unlimited access of wider harmonies that you get with the piano, the keyboard, all of those things. So I've been trying to knock down the walls of the difference between between the two all these years. But I understand it makes very little concession to the um, to the modern world. Um, it's a very organic album. It practically wrote itself. I recorded it in two months. It was the first of 
two studio albums I intend to release this year. Um, I'm working on a rock album too. So if this one is not for you, uh, <sighs> the next one, I'm about 45 minutes into that. I keep it coming. So there's been a live album. There's been an autobiography. Mm-hmm. There's this acoustic album just about to come out in a number of days. Then there's a rock album. And then by then I should have been vaccinated and I should be up living out of a suitcase again with any luck coming to your shores and playing. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I get frustrated, but it's been a very creative time for me. Very good as, as a writer, as a player, as a singer, um, all sorts of things. And I haven't seen it as a, as a limited time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the fact that we can't travel is one thing, but it doesn't mean that um, travels of the, of the imagination shouldn't be explored. So this under a Mediterranean sky, um, it's a virtual journey to an area that was once the center of the world. That's why the term Mediterranean for the ancients, that was that was it. It seems like every time we talk, there tends to be um, um, this this type of, uh, of conversation too, when we're talking about the world. I mean, you do travel a lot, obviously as a touring musician, uh, we watch, you know, your the photos that go up online and your social accounts. And there's a lot of vacation pictures that I think end up on there as well. I know that's part of it. And for a lot of your music, it does seem like there ends up being maybe just in a natural way because you're absorbing it, a, a sociological tie-in. Uh, yeah. And, you know, and as I was reading, I even think of the press release or something may have mentioned this too, but, you know, some of the countries that you are hitting on here on, on this record, you know, they're at war with each other. Yes. And, 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 yeah, how is that, is that reflected in the music? How all of this comes together, well, do you find? I've probably said this before, but I find that, you know, when politicians are driving us apart and we are, you know, currently faced with the, the house divided, none more so than in your country at, 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 at the moment, and what would Brexit over here. Uh, music does, does something else. It, it bridges generations, cultures, many things, certainly genres of music, which I've been trying to do ever since I turned professional, which is now 50 years ago. Um, I joined Genesis 50 years ago, a mere 50 years ago this year. I joined in 71, it's now 2021. Um, but I'm still trying to do the same thing. Hopefully it's to heal the great rift that divides us in this strange world. I mean, there are two, two people who literally were, you know, were, were their, their nations were at war who were on one of these tracks. Um, one guy from Armenia and another guy from Azerbaijan who are on the record. Um, uh, Duduk from Armenia, uh, the Tar from Azerbaijan. Uh, they were at war in the, um, it's the Nagorno-Karabakh region Things seem to have calmed down, but you know this, the, the, these these divisions run deep, and they've gone back for for generations. Um, but somehow, art does something that politics won't do. We're not looking for division. I'm looking for similarities. I'm looking for bridges. I'm trying my dandest to make music an, uh, an ambassador for peace. Um, if people can play together, as we had on a previous album with one Palestinian and one Israeli. Mm-hmm. Um, and funny enough, Mira, who's the Palestinian, um, sent me something recently, um, this very day that I was, I was listening to her incredible voice on something. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, at, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're, we're still in the trenches, aren't we? We thought the First World War was the war to end all wars, but trench mentality seems to be, seems to be there the whole time. What is it? I'm ashamed of the fact that when I was at school, 
I would get into fights and scraps, and I looked at, I looked back with great shame, and yet I see adults doing the same thing. Um, you know, people have got roofs over their houses, food on the table. What is it about about the need to uh, to go to war? Luckily, aggression can be channeled into instruments and 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 music. Nobody dies when somebody lets off a salvo of notes on an electric guitar. Tappers unite. Um, we can do that. We can, you know, we can, we can have bazookas. We can have bazookies. Music can do all of this and still remain constructive. Nobody dies. It's fine. Yeah, that's perfectly said. I, I've always appreciated your message uh, on all of that. And I do love how it works. And I, I think that, you know, it does go into a broader topic of what we're getting at here too, because, you know, obviously we have our own issues over here in America. My TV is on, on the far end of the room right now and it's not no. stopping. Uh, on on your side of things, um, I think there is recently something with the visa-free tours that's really going to be affecting. Yes. Once this all does start up again, it's still not going to be the way it needs to be, correct? That's right. Yes. Well, you know, I, funny enough, I was I wrote an autobiography recently, and I was talking about you know how difficult it was to tour at one time with the um, the air of suspicions. People were suspicious of musicians. Uh, I was. You know, a custom several times having to take my clothes off and um, explain what I was doing and why you're here and uh, where are the drugs and um, aren't you, you know, you're an insurrectionist, you know, long hair is persona non grata, all that kind of stuff. And suddenly we seem to be back there again, the air of suspicion. But, you know, uh, with Brexit, of course, it's a crazy idea, really, because we need supply lines from Europe. We need it for our security. Um, and but people just seem to have bought into the idea of an idea that's basically xenophobic. It's fear of the foreigner, fear of the people who are 20 miles away over the channel, the French. Um, crazy. Yeah. Um, people never really seem to uh, grow up. So, yes, it's going to be very difficult. Uh, visa restrictions and, and withholding taxes and in uh, all these separate nations where whereas at one time we would just sail through we we got rid of the borders now we're now we're going back to them so um uh the fight isn't over yet no i know that's I, it, you know for it's i know that's easier i think it's going to be easier for musicians like yourself that have history that you know aren't uh living that you know show to show wise but but to be a younger artist in in europe and trying to navigate this i it's yeah I yeah, can't even it's, imagine. It's, it's really, it's really the death of international music. You know, a young band like Genesis, you know, starting out with a little tiny van, uh, touring. Um, I'm not sure that the margins of profit are going to be there when just to get the insurances, the visas, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, are going to be prohibitive. So um, uh, our British government has been no friend whatsoever to the arts. Um, so I'm not very happy with them, and I think they've handled the pandemic appallingly badly. And um, I really hope that they get voted out at the next election. And I hope that we've got, you know, some people who are going to be more efficient. Hey, you know, it's time for a change. That's what the world's going through. Um, people have to move over and and try another way. Perhaps the demon isn't around the corner. You know, the demon. Hey, we're suddenly all going to be communists. We've got to defend. Our, our, our right to, to hamburgers and all the rest. Um, there's so much bull going down, seems to me. Yeah, hey, maybe it won't be so bad. I remember Lenin saying stuff like that, you know, maybe the revolution, maybe it won't be so bad. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. 
but meanwhile, yes, I'm glued to the box watching what's going on in your country. Um, less so with what's going on in my country because I get bored with the same old, old rubbish. Um, but I watch Al Jazeera, which I know you have over there, and that's mm -hmm. very interesting. Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's world news and championing the, the underdog. Um, and you get to see what's going on. You know, people that are, you know, one half of the world in a, in a kind of prison camp living under tents, and the rest of us from the privileged world who don't know how lucky we are. And I'm not making this up. But um, do, is that what we really want? You know, do we want uh, do we want to extend Guantanamo Bay over the globe? Hopefully not. I know um, it seemed like we were hand in hand on electing the wrong people a few years ago. And while we have uh, ways to go from making a full turn over in America, we at least got back on the right foot. And hopefully that's not far from uh, from you all either uh, getting back on the right well, foot. So I don't know. I don't know. I, it's, there seems to be a tremendous amount of apathy um, when you talk to the Brits. Um, I'm not sure they're going to make the, the, the right change next time. I think there's the lemming mentality following our leaders, our glorious leaders over the cliff hmm. and into the sea. And whoa, we're going to drown. What a shame. Uh, yeah, I, I think I went in my younger day, I was more politically apathetic, uh, but perhaps it's part of the process of growing up and not being so young anymore that <laughs> enables me to see the mistakes before they happen. It's interesting that, you know, um, sometimes it's not enough to, to be right. It's also about timing. Sometimes you have to make yourself unpopular to be popular. I always found that within within rock groups. Mm. Some, sometimes you had to say something that was unpopular in order for the band to move forward and grasp a truth that was way beyond everyone's separate interests. But for the sake of the band, you need to do this. For the sake of the country, you need to do this. Microcosm, macrocosm. Far cry from talking about music. Well, what are you I, listening I, to at the moment? I'll, I'll bring it back around to this. Uh, again, this beautiful record with under, under the Mediterranean Sky. But what we're talking about here, the, eventually there will be a tour. You will be back on the road. Uh, and you've talked about some of those plans. Uh, how do you plan on incorporating this record into what you're doing? Because, it, you know, as I've seen in your past tours, you do try to make them a bit thematic. Do you find that this yeah. is fitting in with what you're uh, working on? Well, increasingly live, what I've done is to divide my shows into two halves. And uh, the first half tends to be solo stuff, which means I can play anything. But the last tour I did, I concentrated on Spectral Mornings, which was from the year 1979, if I remember correctly. And then um, I was trying to choose a favorite Genesis album to, to play in its entirety. One that John Lennon picked up on when we were all 23 years old, very, very young. And so Selling England by the Pound was the go-to album, I, I think. And so I thought to do a, a blockbuster show, um, I would do both of these albums, uh, certainly most of Spectral and, uh, and uh, Selling England in its entirety, plus one deleted scene that was started way back in the day and to do a finished version of it today, a track that I ended up finishing with Peter Gabriel many, many years later long after we both left Genesis, but the idea started when we were in the band together. Um, there's also some stuff from current album, which did much better in the charts than anything I've done for years. Got in the charts in 13, 13 different territories. So, you know, fans wanted new stuff. Um, promoters wanted old stuff. There's a compromise, meet in the middle, give people old favorites and, um, and also um, stuff that goes beyond keeping the museum doors open for old favorites and doing other stuff. Having said that, I do love 
the early work with Genesis. And um, I was intending before everything got re rescheduled to do the whole of um, Seconds Out. Mm -hmm. So from mm -hmm. beginning to end, plus uh, to do full length versions of those tunes, because I know it's it's many people's go to album for for um, the, the, the 70s Genesis stuff. So that album was cherry, cherry picking across um, lots of the best of uh, the most iconic work that we'd done up to then. So um, it was a live album and I will be doing it live. Once the world is open for business, I'll be open for business as well. And I'll be taking that. And, and um, we, we tend to do a three hour show. I will fit in some solo stuff as well. But I think, I think that's going to be a, an exciting show. And personally, I'm, I'm really looking forward to um, all those things that we've been, been denied for the past Last year, yeah, it's. I was excited to hear about uh, seconds out. Of course, you know, as any Genesis fan would be. Uh, as I was looking back and doing some reading on that record, there was a famous line because of that was when you left. That uh, that was the record that you were sort of mixed out of. Um, it, and I thought, well, this, you know, it's not that you haven't played these songs before, but I guess this really does give you the opportunity to mix you right back into that. Indeed, yeah, it gives me the chance to um, uh, uh, shake them up a bit and. Um, uh, give them a workout. I think um, there are things that I, I would do now that I wouldn't have done then. Uh, there might be some extra parts. Um, I know that I've certainly played "Suppers Ready" from beginning to end um, in recent years. Every now and again, I I bring that one out of the hat and and, and do it, but um, it tends to get extended. And um, it's kind of the definitive Genesis tune of the progressive era of the band. And funnily enough, I was talking to a a Japanese interviewer today, first thing in the morning, right the other end of the time, because it's it's mm -hmm. nearly eight o'clock in the evening here in London, but nine o'clock this morning, they're always working. And, and um, she was saying something very interesting. She said, progressive rock is radical music. She thought it was more radical than punk, which she felt, you know, had a narrower mm -hmm. um, uh, focus, perhaps, uh, and a more rootsy approach, whereas progressive rock if I could defend the ethos of inclusive music, which is allowed to eclectically take things from jazz, from classical music, from anything you like, as far as I'm concerned, blues is welcome. George Gershwin meets George Harrison meets Chuck Berry meets anything. I love, I love the idea of just mixing it all up. Why not have Indian music? Why not have world music? Why not do what, the 60s allowed us to do, which was to point the way to say, yeah, well, ev everywhere is mainstream once you start using it. There's no such thing as a as a useless instrument. The Brazilian birumbau, literally a bow and arrow that's being used in a in a in a, in a, in a musical context. You think that it, that it wouldn't uh, wouldn't have a place in rock, but it does. Um, percussion instruments, rain sticks, all this stuff. You know, yes, doesn't that belong in the jungle? No. Um, it belongs downtown. That's where we need it because every instrument, no matter how humble, even if it's the, the triangle, has its place in the big canvas that is that is music. Anyway, the, the imagination is un, unlimited. Formatting, I think, is 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 the death of experiment and surprise. Um, so um, I'm trying my damnedest to tear up the rule book every time I make an album and invite people from all over the world to take part in it and perhaps have a core band, a house band, but then um, 
you know, find out, well, how would a drummer from Iceland treat it? Or how would American drummer do it? You know, what about Azerbaijan, Ar Armenia, India, uh, Shima Mukherjee, that incredible virtuoso who was on our last record. Wonderful to have, have real sitar after I've been trying to impersonate it with sitar guitars and samples for years. How wonderful to have uh, the real thing. So um, um, isn't that wonderful? The, the adventure continues. And I'm still as crazy about music as I always was. Yeah, well, we certainly benefit from that. Uh, I appreciate uh, everything you do with that. And, and again, Under the Mediterranean Sky, that's the new record, is another testament to it. And, and hearing that we're going to get a rock record later this year, later this year, is that what you said? Yep. Yeah, so. That's right. Yeah, later in the year, probably out in, 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 in uh, the autumn. Uh, so I, you know, when I talk about these things, I tend not to talk about one, one project. I, I, I'm always getting excited about the next thing. I mean, I, I love Under a Mediterranean Sky. I, I really do. I think it's the best produced of all the acoustic things I've done. Uh, but I think um, uh, also the rock record, you know, that's, that's work in progress. So I, I'm, I'm sticking TMT underneath that to make that explode. And it's, it's taking a very exciting direction. We have people from, from all over the world on it already, and that will hopefully increase, um, even though I won't be working with them face to face quite so much because that's just the nature of the way things are at the moment. Here. Well, I certainly appreciate it. Hopefully we can talk once again when the, uh, the new rock record comes out. Thank uh, you. Steve, thank you so much again for taking the time to talk. Congratulations Brilliant. on this and we'll, we'll see you around. Lovely talking again. Thank you so much, Carl. All thank the you. best to you. Bye. Thank you. Now, I last spoke with Steve back in, uh, in 2019 when he was talking about his record At the Edge of Light, its ties to Brexit and the Trump administration, as well as a song about the Underground Railroad and his own history with early American blues music, something that we hit on a little bit in the interview that you just heard. Uh, Steve also would go on to tell me about his plans to play the Genesis record Selling England by the Pound on full on that tour, as well as selections from his own Spectrum Mornings LP, which uh, at that point was turning 40 years old. I'm going to include that one as well as part two here of Kyle Meredith with Steve Hackett. How are you doing? I'm great. It's great to talk to you again. Congratulations on the new record at the Edge of Lights. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's, it's gone down really well so far. It reached a, a number six midweek national charts in the UK. So it's um, doing the best I've done for 37 years or so. That, that's great. You know, this comes after you know, quite a bit of buzz of last year's live album, too, which you know, I got the honor to speak to you about as well. Did this did this new studio record, did it? Did the live album have any influence on it? Because it sort of feels like it might have. Uh, yeah, I think I think so. I think uh, I was most of the stuff was being centered on Wind and Wuthering at that time. But um, when I go out this year, I'm just about to embark on, on shows. I'll be doing the whole of Selling England by the Pound. So concentrating on another sort of era of Genesis. And I just did an orchestral tour with, you know, band and orchestra. So I, I think the uh, the album has a whole ton of, the current album has a ton of orchestra on it. I think it's the most integrated version of that. But, it, you know, it's also got the long songs, so it's a kind of, uh, it's 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 got that journeying musical continuum feel to it. And you're using, uh, as you've been talking about in, the, uh, in other interviews and press releases, uh, a lot of folks from a lot of different cultures uh, once again, as, as your band, yeah. and I, as wonder, does that happen naturally for you, or or do you actually specifically seek that out? Well, 
the thing is, I've made friends with people all over the world, and um, uh, I would never have believed it at one time that I would have somebody from Azerbaijan playing the tar <laughs> and, and a, a, a lady playing the sitar, who is an incredible virtuoso called Shima Mukherjee. But it, it's wonderful to work with people all over, you know, from Iceland and from Hungary and the UK and the United States. So it's a bit like a kind of, uh, I suppose, United Nations or a fellowship, perhaps. And it's lovely, you know, in, in these days when politicians are trying to sort of separate us all, all out, that, that music ignores borders and does... Uh, you know, flies through through walls and borders and bridges and all, all that kind of stuff. So um, it's part of the audio fight back as well to say that uh, you can do stuff that's accessible, that's got a nod to to, to world music, but uh, it's still a rock album and and broadening rock's shoulders. Uh, to some degree. You get into those themes, of course, all throughout the record. I mean, I hear you talk about how, you know, furthering what you're you're saying there with multicultures, uh, this album's based on a lot of darkness and light to reflect world happenings. Well, I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, we're at a very dark time in, 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 in Europe right now with the rise of the right and Brexit and all of that, and I'm supposed to be touring in in Europe a month after Brexit is supposed to happen. Uh, some of us are trying to frustrate that process uh, so that we stay, you know, friends with all of our European allies was the word at one time. I, I'm signed to a, rec- a German record company. You know, we we buried the hatchet long ago, but it seems that uh, politicians over here seem to be determined to bring about the economic collapse of of, of the UK, and. Uh, we just try to do what what we can without blowing up the Houses of Parliament. You know, uh, we don't really know what we can do other than uh, doing an album like this, which shows that people can get on from everywhere. We should be celebrating the best in the world in every field, it seems to me, you know, that way round. Um, not being idealistic, but, you know, we're trying to um, get rid of diseases and and uh, economic hardship, famine and all that stuff. It isn't going to happen unless everyone puts their heads together. We've got all the technology so that people can, can do any kind of stuff at a remote distance. You can make films like this. You can write books like this. You can make albums like this. All you need is friends. You know, it feels like what you're talking about, or maybe it's coincidence, that the song titles actually decrease to the word peace even even the length of the titles it seems to all filter down to the last song which is peace the last song is peace um it's 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 a ballad it starts out that way but it it, it, it grows from that and uh the things that precede it there's two tracks uh, there's dissent and there's conflict they all run as as three tracks so you get a feeling of um a build-up almost like a kind of arming uh feeling so you go through armament the build-up of tensions and then it's a sort of musical depiction of all-out war and then you get you know this kind of resolving peaceful thing that's got a, a spiritual aspect about it as well and america is represented here i mean you wrote about the underground railroad what what inspired you there well, I was in Delaware, Wilmington, Delaware, and walking by the river and reading the story of ha- Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad, which was a movement that helped slaves escape. And then I read a book two, two years later uh, by Colson Whitehead, and it's an international bestseller, which was recommended by Barack Obama, and um, same title, Underground Railroad. And I thought, this has to make a song. So um, I've met the, the, um, the, the McBroom sisters, Lorelei and Durga, both of whom have incredible voices. And I said I wanted to do something that had a kind of gospel feel to it. But then they got a chance to as soloists as well within it. So so 
something that's forgive me for being a, you know a white european with this but uh um, i wanted to do something that was pure americana with harmonica and dobro and all of that stuff so they give it a, a kind of vocal authenticity that i i doubt i could bring to it solely on my own yeah i mean that 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 dobro and the harmonica itself really puts it into an era and a time well, I think so. I mean, I, I, I grew up playing harmonica 10 years before guitar, so I was, I, I was you know, fully conversant with that. My dad was able to play um, a number of wind instruments and introduced me to my first chords on guitar. So I was very lucky to have that in-house. And, of course, then I discovered blues and fell in love with the sound of that. I spent a little bit of time hanging out with Larry Adler um, in England as well, a couple of a couple of evenings with him and um and that was extraordinary because i'd listened to him when i was a child listening to him do rhapsody in blue one hand on the piano one you know one hand on the harmonica extraordinary to uh, to see that level of talent and he was still doing it you know way into his 80s you mentioned uh, going out on tour and and doing some of selling england by the pound uh did i read that you're also going to be kind of putting a spotlight on spectral mornings as well uh, since it's turning 40 this year that's right, yeah. I'm, I'm doing the whole of Selling England by the Pound, um, certainly most of uh, Spectral Mornings, and introducing stuff from the new album. So I'm, I hope that we'll get a chance to do maybe half an hour's worth from, from the new album and, uh, and also with the Selling England stuff to use a song that was like a deleted scene, if you think of it as, as a film. There was something that Pete, Peter Gabriel and I wrote. So I'll, I'll be doing that live as well. Now, now, when you do that, do you, do you go note for note to recreate it, or, or are you letting these songs kind of uh, transform and grow in any way? Well, some things um, go in, into improvisations, like the the end of Dancing with the Moonlit Night goes into a jam, basically, a very quiet jam. And then I Know What I Like is an excuse for a jam anyway. That's what it was born out of. So uh, it's not note for note, but then the rest of it, I think, I try and keep it authentic. You know, the keyboard solos remain the same, and... Um, I do the same solo from Firth of Fifth, for instance, because it's so much part of the song. Uh, there's no point going off on, 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 on a bender there. I want to keep it all, all authentic. Well, I'm excited to hear how it all sounds out there, and especially how you integrate at the edge of light in it. It's a really fantastic record. Uh, congrats on the, uh, on the continued success, Steve, and it's always a, a pleasure to talk to you. Lovely, Carl. Thank you very much. Nice to talk to you, too. So I'll include one more bonus interview. Uh, this one goes back to when Steve and I had talked uh, just about a year or two before before that previous interview. He had just released his uh, live opus, Wuthering Nights, live in Birmingham. So again, we're talking about an anniversary there, the LP's 40th anniversary celebration of Wind and Wuthering, as well as performing cuts from the uh, multicultural studio record, The Night Siren. Uh, we also got to discuss the possibility of a Genesis reunion at that point, which uh, his quote was, uh, I told them to call me if they need me. It's a part three of Kyle Meredith with Steve Hackett. Hi, Kyle. How are you doing? Hey, congratulations on this live record. It is a whole lot of fun to listen to. Thank you. It's um, doing well over here. It's gone to number one in the Amazon charts uh, in the UK, so um, uh, I'm very happy with that. It's all downhill from here, of course, you know, but there we go. <laughs> and I have to get some good news. All downhill from here. That's right. <laughs> There's a concept behind this. Do you want to do you want to set up the concept before we get too far into it? Oh sure. Well, you know, I was celebrating the 40th anniversary of Wind and Wuthering, which was released in 1977. So, uh, 40th birthday was 2017. So, off the Genesis set, we do quite a few numbers from that. I don't do the album in its entirety. I just do what I think is the strongest stuff 
from it, which means we do an 11th Earl of Mar, one for the vine, blood on the rooftop, uh, in that quiet earth, and the other one, Afterglow, plus another tune that was recorded at the same time in the same bunch of sessions that a number of us think should have been on the album. I know uh, 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 Tony Banks, and I think it should have been on the album, and that's a track called Inside and Out. So we do that as well. It was only uh, issued on an EP, but it was Phil Collins' first complete lyric for the band back in the day and it uh, should have been on there. Writing the wrong, that's what you've done. Well, that's what I do, yeah, you know, it's an everything to a director's cut and a, a kind of act of restitution and restoration and all of that. Um, yeah, I have re-recorded a few things, usually live, but sometimes studio versions of uh, the Genesis things. In fact, uh, just recently, I guess worth breaking up, uh, you re-recorded the, uh, the big, uh, your big hit from GTR, When the Heart Rules the Mind, right? That's right, yeah. I don't know if anyone's publicly heard heard that yet but uh, i have um uh, redone that yeah um i'll be playing it live on the forthcoming concerts so there'll be there'll be solo stuff there'll be um tiny bit of gtr and then there'll be the genesis stuff but um yeah i, I re-recorded that i, I always liked the song and i always wanted to do my own version and um steve rothery joined me on it that's an uh, uh, additional guitar steve rothery of marillion he and I have been doing one or two things together recently, showing up on each other's things, and um, uh, we may well do a project together. So, yeah, Return to GTR, that's um, something that many people have asked if I was ever going to either play that stuff or, or reform the band, and, uh, you know, one tries. One tries at these reformations, but they're not, not always that, that easy. Uh, meanwhile, I always think the reason for doing any of those things is to celebrate the, uh, the music that people once liked, and they might like the new version. That'd be cool if uh, if that makes it out uh, at any certain point. Be interested to hear that. Well, I know a lot of people yeah. would be. <laughs> yeah, I think it will. I think they're going to release it as a single, I believe. And if for some reason that gets overlooked, I'll stick it on an album at some point, yeah. probably later in the year. Well, I, I know there's, it's always sort of a tightrope walk when you're revisiting a lot of this stuff and you know celebrating an album like Wind and Wuthering. You know, it's a classic record yeah. and adding a... I mean, yeah. when you try to get out of that, do you try to add a new stamp to it or, or are you just serving sort of the uh, the memory uh, of it for the fans? Well, I think I, I think um, it was the last album I did with, with the band. I, I haven't re-recorded it as a, as, a, as a studio album. I'm just celebrating the fact that it was its 40th birthday. You know, every now and again, there'll be someone in, in the Genesis office who'll say, oh, you realize next year will be the 50th anniversary of anything that Genesis ever did. That she said, uh, but I don't think there'll be a re- reformation, do you? And I said, well, you know, I'm always open to that. But meanwhile, you know, I, I, I like to honor and celebrate things uh, for various reasons. I spent a long time, decades doing solo stuff and rather shorter time doing or celebrating the Genesis stuff. And I, I just tell people that in 1973, when we were unable to get a, a gig practically anywhere in the States, John Lennon gave an interview and said, and that was the time we were doing Selling England by the Pound, he said that Genesis was one of the bands he was listening to. So would that we could have capitalized on it at the time with Twitter and all the rest, but you know that sort of stuff wasn't around. So decades later, it comes to light that we were one of the bands that had John Lennon's ear for even for five seconds. I, I, I was pleased with that at the time, as the other Genesis guys were. Um, it did something for us, but you know, it was only the ripple effect. I like to honor the stuff, the early stuff that, that often I find, you know, bandmates can often be quite dismissive of the early stuff. But 
I like to remind, and um, you know, there was an audience for that. Uh, those albums did sell very well, and it, but it's not all. It's not all about. It's not all about the numbers. It's about much more than that for me. Now, you mentioned, of course, you know, when, when things start do happening like that, with 50th anniversaries happening every single year at this point, and the reformation yeah, there's often yeah come up. There's often there's often this, you know, missed opportunities, and uh, I like to think that I like to pull focus and say, no, it doesn't have to be a, a missed opportunity. But I'm not going to celebrate 50 years of Genesis, but you know, uh, there'll probably be. Yeah, I think something's going to happen with Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. God knows what a reissue, extra sleeve note, but. You know, this is something that that people have had already. You know, so it's um, you know how much of a retread can there be? Meanwhile, I continue to record new stuff, mm-hmm. um, and, and um, I'm halfway through a new album. The last album I did, last studio album, had 20 people on it from all around the world. We had Israeli working with Palestinian, oh, you know, Azerbaijan uh, working with Iceland, working with Hungary, United Kingdom, United States. Just to mention a few, 20 people from all around the world. So I celebrate that as well. I like to celebrate all of these eras, and um, I think it, it did very well. Yeah, yeah. It being so yeah. multicultural, I mean, it's a really good time yeah. to be to be doing that to be because it's wouldn't it be ridiculous if you only work with musicians from your own village and you know i remember mel brooks doing what was the sketch the 2000 year old man or whatever it's called and they asked him what was the first national anthem and he said yeah i think i can remember that something like um uh, god bless all those in cave 13 and to hell with all the rest uh, that seems to be the way the, the politics is going again so um while politics goes neanderthal um, I want to go global, and I want to work with more and more people from around the world. I've been working with some Indian musicians recently. Uh, I'll be working with an orchestra with some British dates coming up soon, uh, and uh, but with an American conductor, British orchestra, American conductor, you see. So we go Anglo-American. We do that. We yeah. like to do, well, I think, where politics fails us. Music can do that. Music knows no borders. Neither, neither should it. So, so you, you, you have been taking that whole idea that you did in the studio with the Night Siren, and that is bleeding into these these live shows as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do a little bit of that. I don't do too much. Um, uh, I don't want to be too didactic about it. I don't want to pound the table uh, about this, but I think that, you know, my own family were a refugee family coming out of Eastern Europe, coming out of Poland, um, surviving persecution. And they were allowed into the UK in the late 1800s. Not too much trouble, it seems, except at home. So I often say to people, if you know, that um, uh, otherwise I wouldn't be standing here, you know, for all those Brexiteers and those who are anti-foreigner and anti-refugee and all that. So... Um, you don't have to look too far back. I don't think we should be building walls. We should be tearing them down. We managed to tear down the Berlin Wall, didn't we? I remember seeing Paul Butterfield talking of politics and music. I remember seeing him playing in 1966 to a very small audience doing a stunning show that featured Mike Bloomfield and Elvin Bishop. But he had Howlin' Wolf's rhythm section, I believe. I believe it was Sam Lee and Jerome Arnold um, at that time. And... Uh, whilst there were race riots going on in Alabama, this was what was possible. You know, the most stunning blues show I'd ever seen. And I was listening to a lot of blues at that time. With this live record, you know, you, so you, as you're saying, you're kind of celebrating a classic album like Wind and Wuthering, as well as playing the Night Siren. Did you, when, when you construct 
you know, a set list or anything, did you ever try to to sort of blend the two concepts together, or was it kind of an A and B side type uh, well, of thing? Yeah, I think that, you know, I I used to do that, and uh, I would sometimes arrange something so that you know I might do just the guitar solo from first to fifth, which would you know draw a big response, and I I was very grateful for that. I mean, a nice piece of music and and everything but i think what changed my mind about it was i was in sicily i was doing an acoustic show with julian colbeck and a guy showed up at the hotel and he had just about every solo album i'd ever done and i signed them all in the lobby for him and then he sheepishly had this other pile and he said i don't know how you feel about signing these and it was the genesis album as if it was contraband and he thought i was going to hit the roof but I thought perhaps having signed those, it was time to reclaim the heritage and celebrate it. And that's what gave me the idea of re-recording many of those tunes, albeit with an enlarged team and, and an orchestra and guys who were from, ooh, you know, a like-minded bands of a similar era. So, you know, there were, over time, you know, I'd been working with guys from Yes, guys from King Crimson, um, guys from Jethro Tull, you know, there was all sorts of stuff that was going on and and latterly, you know, guys from ELP and, and all the rest. And, you know, the surviving members of all those bands, you know, we, we all know each other. So it's, I guess it's, it's a time where, yes, I realize that to some degree, I think my job is, as Tony Banks said to me, he said, you know, you're preserving the heritage, aren't you? You know, I said, yes, I feel I'm, I'm doing that. I mean, I know that you know when they reformed as a as a three piece um, some years ago. I guess you know they were preserving their idea of, of the heritage, but I think it was 20 years since Genesis last recorded anything in the studio together. But I can't answer for everyone else. So um, it's important to me to say you know it was it was important then and it's important now. I I fought hard for those songs then. I fight hard for them now, and I do enlargements of them. I you know, often do this, or I intend to often do it with orchestra. Mm-hmm. I will be doing six dates in the UK with orchestra. Uh, so I'm kind of putting my money where my mouth is, saying I think this is um, this is important. It is worth asking. I mean, Tony and Mike have both said that they don't rule it out that you know they could do it, and obviously Phil is back out there now. Do you see the benefit of uh, and and would have an interest in going out with them another time, either touring well, or just recording? You know, I, I think. You know, that um, it's obvious to them that as I'm celebrating Genesis material, and I've said publicly I'm up for that, um, you know, whether it's a reformation to do something like Lamb Life Down on Broadway, which they initially approached me about, um, I said, yes, of course, yeah, call me if you need me. But I think that I think it's possible. And of course, you know, the, the company line is always, I wouldn't rule it out. But I think it's highly improbable. So I wouldn't rule it in either. Um, I'm I'm open to it, but I'm I'm I think the I I wouldn't rule it out line is getting a little bit um, you know that perhaps the timeline on that one has, has run out. Well, I mean that's uh I was speaking to Tony recently, and he did allude to time maybe running out if you were to give it a go for another round. Yeah, time may indeed be running out. Um, but then I had an uncle who lived until he was 108. Uh, so I, I have no intention of retiring. I seem to be getting busier. I'm doing more and more projects with, you know, I've shown up on tons and tons of albums of other people. 
usually that's rock, but sometimes it, it's some version of jazz or it's classical. I try and embrace all the all the genres. I've got this pan-genre affectation, if you like. Call it what you will. Call it collision. Call it fusion. Call it prog. Call it anything you like. But I just I I adore music in all its forms, and um, I intend to do that until I drop. And uh, I'm, I'm very happy to do that. You know, I think music is 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 the nearest thing to the fountain of youth. Keeps me going. Keeps me focused. Keeps me happy. And my my wife loves to travel. She's um, she's a fine historian. She God, you know, she can write books on um, subjects where she needs no source material. She's always um, completing my education by taking me off to India, where I've been working with some musicians from there and um, looking at temples and discovering the history and um, many things. She she loves to travel. So in, in that sense, it's perfect for, for the two of us. Um, anywhere we visit, she might well say to me in, in England, a little village, she might say, oh, you, you do realize this was... A, um, stronghold, a Roman stronghold, and they had, you know, a garrison, a garrison 2,000 strong here, and she'll start reeling off the figures. This place called Brampton was once called Brantuna. So, yeah, it's it's an education. Yeah. A... I'm trying to convince her to do, to do a book about, about about Greek mythology because she doesn't need any source material for that. She lives it, absolutely lives it. I've been to Greece a few times with her, and I know we'll go again. Um, I think that's her true passion. Well, there's, um, there's a very famous line, I think, that, uh, well, at least I've read about, I'm assuming it's true, that when you were looking for a band in the early 70s, you, you put out the ad that said, looking for someone who's determined to strive beyond existing, existing stagnant musical forms. And, and if that's yep. true, it sounds like that's still the mantra. That's still the mantra. I think so, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, uh, if music can retain its element of surprise, whether it's a short song or if it's, um, you know, Wagner's Ring Cycle or the, or, or the progressive equivalent, I don't mind. I don't mind if it's Supper's Ready. See, it's ironic that, that, that with Genesis in 1972, um, I wrote something that was the pre- preamble to Supper's Ready. So the shortest song that Genesis ever did, which was 90 seconds long, I wrote. And then there's, and then there's Supper's Ready, the longest thing that we ever did, you know, ironically, side by side. And as I say, you know, it's not—it's not the form. It's not—it's not—it's not the length of of the play. It's the quality of the acting. It's the quality of the playing. It's the quality of the writing. I think. It does, I don't really mind how long it is or how how short it is. I'll apply that to uh, to your career, and I I hope it's uh, so much much more longer because I'm enjoying everything that you're doing out there. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really having a great time out there right now. It's been really good. We're working with a new bass player, uh, another Swedish guy called um, Jonas Reingold, Jonas Reingold, and he's an absolute virtuoso. I've heard him playing Bach on the bass and then playing jazz and then doing, you know, this, this uh, Rickenbacker type stuff. You think, wow, you know, this guy. He learned one of the most difficult tunes I've ever been involved with. In two days, flat, he just, we just said, you know, we might throw this one in the set as you've got all the rest together. And, and, he, and he did. He absolutely nailed it, which is amazing. I, I wish I had a photographic memory like that. Um, but, um, yeah, flying fingers, photographic memory. That's it. That's, that's the best way. Well, again, uh, Weathering Nights is made for a really great list, and it's a, it's a really fun live album. And congrats on uh, getting the, the number one slot on Amazon. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm really so proud of that. So thank you. A lovely talking to you. You too. And uh, hope we get to talk again. Yeah, all right. Thank Take you. care, Steve. All the best. All right, you too. Bye. Thank you. Ciao. 
My thanks, Steve Hackett. The new record is called Under the Mediterranean Sky. Big thanks to you as well for checking out this episode. Again, uh, before you get out, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all of the great interviews that we put out every single week. Three brand new ones a week. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, YouTube, where the video version of this interview is, or wherever you get your podcast from. Just type in Kyle Meredith with, hit subscribe. After that, head over to WFPK.org where I do a show Monday through Friday, starts at 6 p.m. Eastern, song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, and bonus interviews. Again, Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern at wfpk.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots, including Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along there as well. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Jen, and I love horror movies. I'm Mikey. I'm dead inside, and I also love horror movies. And we really like to torture our friend Todd, because he hates horror movies. That I do. And that's why they call me the horror virgin. <laughs> that's the only reason we call him that. I'm not, no other reasons at all. None at all. Whatever. So every, <laughs> every week, we take him through the encyclopedia of horror, the good, the bad, the ridiculously Jack Frosts. <laughs> and then we make fun of it more or less. Or explain its deceptive feminism. Oh. Yeah, exactly. That's what I do. That's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the funny one. <laughs> <laughs> Our episodes drop on Monday, so check us out. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfbk.org from Louisville Public Media. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.